0: This podcast is produced and distributed by BizRadio Asheville. To receive the free BizRadio app, just text the word Asheville to 36260. That's Asheville to 36260. With the app, you can easily enjoy this program and other local programming podcasts on demand. You need a business lawyer you can trust. Michael Palamro is that business lawyer, bringing almost 30 years' experience representing startups to national corporations. If you are looking to start, buy, or sell a business in North Carolina or expand by bringing on new partners, Michael Palermo will represent you with trust, experience, and focus. Call Michael Palermo at 312-671-6453. That's 312-671-6453. Or email palermo at (laughs) palermolaw.com. All right, and welcome to Biz Law with Michael Palermo, a great ongoing series here on the Matt Matan Show and Biz Radio Asheville. And, you know, I got to tell you, Michael, um, as we're getting closer to the finish of this series, of this loop of topics, the full life cycle of your business, I've been so excited to be able to refer back to the volumes of information that have already been shared in the series so far. I was just telling you during the break about um, an inquiry that I got here at the station just yesterday of someone looking to do franchising. And, uh, and I, was, I, I knew already that our conversation today was going to be on this, but I was able to refer them back and say, look, if you're looking to start up your own situation, whether it's franchise or not, you would be derelict in your preparation if you didn't go back and listen to the episodes that Michael Palermo has already done.
1: There's some great information we're giving out. And one, one thing that I'm proud of in this series and in the lectures and discussions I've given around WNC is how I have and we have um, tied in everything because your business, it's not just discrete events. You don't just start a business. You don't just run a business. Everything is tied in together. Every decision you made last month, last year. Two years from now, they're all related. Yeah, And franchising, or as I like to call this episode, expanding your empire, it's all related. When you start your business, what's your five-year plan? And here, today's episode is one aspect of what might be your five-year plan, which is growing and making more money.
0: Well, and, and you're right. It's all cyclical. You know, the final episode uh, could be very much the first episode and vice versa, <laughs> you know, because the, the way you set things up at the beginning is going to affect how you end up exiting. And when you get to the point of exiting your business, how much you get to realize your hopes and dreams will depend greatly on how you set up and rolled out your plan along the way so it's great
1: yeah and um today we'll like i said we're talking about franchising and alternatives to franchising which is what i generally push my clients into but it involves expanding your operations which we talked about earlier mm-hmm. are you going to bring in partners are you going to bring in employees or contractors um or do you need a commercial space we talked about i think we talked about leases we talked about Uh, Vendor contracts anyway. Mm -hmm. So it all it all relates.
0: All right. Well, um, before we get into different aspects of the conversation define for folks, when you say franchise, describe to folks what exactly that means as far as what is a franchise and what is the setup um, of the conversation?
1: There is a formal federal de- definition, which I'm looking at on my screen, and honestly, even I don't want to read this out loud. <laughs>
0: no, reading on radio is never good.
1: <laughs> no, and it's it's long, and it's I, I get bored doing these things too. Yeah. A franchise is—and um, I'm going to read a little bit—a continuing commercial relationship um, where the franchise seller, the franchisor, helps somebody make business using a system of— how to make money so how to sell something how to market something what the product looks like most often the franchisor will sell most of the product directly to the franchisee and we all know the franchises mcdonald's subway gas stations are mostly franchises Mm -hmm. so they're they're branded there are systems in place for selling the product and hopefully everybody profits That's that's generally a franchise
0: i was going to say there's also a lot of people that are in franchise situations that people, if it wasn't a name recognizable brand, um, a lot of businesses are under the categories of franchises. It's the relationship they have that people think are just local mom and pop businesses.
1: And I, I've heard of some around town where um, you think it's local because they've rebranded, but it definitely has um, some sort of franchise or central authority telling the local person what to do, Yeah, but, you know, wherever that franchise or is located.
0: All right. Well, let's get into the first thing about buying a franchise. This is probably out of any franchise umbrella conversation here at Biz Radio Asheville. The most conversations and inquiries we get are people who are buying or have bought franchises. So let's start there.
1: One thing I do when people buy a franchise, they consult with me, hey, should I buy into this franchise? Um, I ask them, "Is, is this something you can do yourself? Because franchises are all about control of the business. Who controls what aspect of the business? And as, as we talked about, what does the product look like? Um, what does it taste like? What does the marketing feel like? What color is the paint on the wall? That's all dictated by the franchise company. And if you're starting a business and you're an independent person and you don't take direction well, but you'd rather give direction, maybe franchise isn't the best idea. Before you even get into a franchise situation, I'll ask somebody, hey, can you just do this yourself? And certain things... Um, Maybe you can't. Or maybe the franchise system is a really great product that you want to offer. You're you're on board with the product and just setting up shop and using their signs and sales system. And that's okay. But that's the initial discussion I'll have with anybody who comes in and says, I'm thinking of buying into a franchise. What should I do?
0: Yeah. And maybe it makes sense that, you know, here at a radio station, you know, owning a media platform, I usually, what I hear from people with franchise situations is they like that. They already have a prepared uh, system of branding, and uh, you know there's different aspects that they don't have to invent the wheel. They just have to enact it, and so that's that's where I bump into people's pro side list of a franchise is that there are areas that they may have expertise or desire to work in, but figuring out the systems, the operations on the business end of it, they like that it comes turnkey.
1: Well, turnkey also gives you instant. Um, recognition, instant business. And uh, one one of the great franchises is Subway. I'm absolutely not going to denigrate Subway. I, I eat Subway a couple times a year. I like their product. But if you buy a Subway franchise, you're getting their sign, their product, mm-hmm. and, and you know what you're serving. And if you if you like Subway and that's the way you want to make money, you buy into a Subway franchise. On the other hand, if you came to me and said, I want to buy into a Subway franchise, what do you think? My My legal advice would be different than what I just said. My legal advice would be: um, the market might be saturated. Can you put out a better product than Subway? I mean, they're, ultimately they're sandwiches. So can you put out a better custom product um, than Subway or whatever the franchise might be? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's a McDonald's franchise, they're, they're money makers. But you have to start start out with ten or twelve million dollars just to buy into a McDonald's franchise. Could could you open a? You know, if you just want to make burgers, you can open up a. A kitchen in Cookburg.
0: So well and, you know, and with the a recognized brand too uh, you know it seems to me on something like that like a Subway or a McDonald's since you mentioned those how much of the market are you going to be able to lock up with that franchise you know I know that uh, for instance with Subway many if not most of the Subways are all owned by those franchises are owned by one company here locally, one local owner, you know, um, McDonald's, same thing. Um, yeah. You think of, uh, you know, Arby's is another one, you know, the uh, the Brummett restaurant group, you know, they, they own all the Arby's from Charlotte to here to Greenville, and they're based out of Asheville. That's that's a little bit different conversation than just saying, oh, I'm going to buy a franchise yeah. and open a shop, yeah?
1: What's happened, especially in the restaurant business, because there's so many brands out there, is there's been a lot of dilutions. So you a Subway franchise, and these are just made up numbers, Subway franchise might only make $25,000 in profit a year. But if you own 10 of them, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. So instead of somebody buying a Subway who wants to just sort of own a little restaurant and make sandwiches, what's happened is these, these investment groups have bought up multiple franchise locations. They operate them, they use the economics of scale, and it's, it becomes more about making money, of course, putting out a good product. But you know the owner. The owner is not in the kitchen with, right. with the hat on, flipping burgers.
0: So, what is the process involved if someone does want? If they decide they've talked to you, you've asked them all these different kind of pre-qualifying questions about if it's the right path for them, um, and they say, "You know what? I do want to do it." What are some? What's the process? What are the steps they're looking at in buying a franchise?
1: To buy into a franchise, um, it, it's super hyper complicated. There's state laws, there's federal laws that they don't conflict, but they sort of add on to each other. So you have to. Look really close at them. For the most part, if it's a legitimate franchise, uh, the prospective purchaser is going to get what's called a franchise disclosure document. Um, the federal rule is huge, it's like 20,000 words. But in short, what's in that document is going to be the name and identity of the franchisor, uh, whether or not there's a market for the product or service, what regulations apply, general description of the competition, um, prior business experience of the franchisor, which could be really good information to have if it's if it's a new franchise things about litigation what the estimated initial investment would be but in other words what what is a purchaser of the franchise going to have to spend just to get the doors open um and if there's any restrictions on the sale of the products if if they're regulated or you know something you're really not supposed to be selling in every state like like we see with the cbd stuff You know, so you're, you're gonna you're gonna get a big thick document with all this stuff in it.
0: Yeah, and um, so when you're buying into a franchise and everything else, um, I know that I've heard from people that say there's different situations. Sometimes it's a lump sum right up front. You buy the franchise, then they kick into the onboarding. Others, you know, they finance it basically. So you know, when getting a franchise, do you see that full scale? Just like someone who's launching a brick and mortar business, where the capital side of it depends on the relationship that you contract
1: i i do but for the most part the the bigger franchises the older established franchises whatever they may be they're going to require a franchise purchaser to have a big pile of money to start out in the first place especially if there's a dedicated location or a build-out required like a subway or like if you have to build a mcdonald's um they'll they'll help you with things like finding the real estate but you know what does it cost to build a mcdonald's building probably a couple million dollars yeah they, they don't want pikers showing up and just saying, oh, I think I'll open a McDonald's and they have no money. They have no way to pay back the money. They have no experience, no prior business experience. So that's before you even start calling up these bigger franchise systems, you, you really need to look at what the minimum requirements are to, to buy into it.
0: All right. Well, let's move into the second category, and this is one that I was hearing a lot more of in 2019 before COVID hit. Not hearing right. it as much right now, but you know, it eventually will come back around. We will start to recover, and these conversations may pop up again, and that is starting or creating their own franchise of their business to scale it out.
1: So the opposite side of the transaction is if you have what you think is a great business idea or Hopefully, it's up and operating and making lots of money. Um, One way to expand your empire is to find um, independent business people to buy into your system. Um, Hopefully, you've set up the system so that you have things like uh, uniformity of product. You have your vendors all set up so you can put out as much product as you need for your franchisees. Uh, You'll have trademark licensing, copyrights. You'll have websites, all that sort of thing. Um, you know if it's a if it's a restaurant you'll have standardized recipes You need to set up your system and have it formalized before you even think of selling it to somebody And what you're selling is the system It's the right to use your system steps one, two, three, four, in order to put a product out the door and get money back in the door So before you even think of hey, I want to start a franchise. This is a great idea You need to decide one can you scale it? Can it be repeated in different markets and? I guess would be two and then three, whether or not that's the business you want to be in, because you'll be in the business of managing franchisees at that point. You won't be in the business of putting out your product. product. Your product will be the franchise.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I was just thinking on that is you're talking about, you know, a business idea and you go, oh, this is, this is something I can go ahead and scale. There's so much desire for, A fried pickle stand in every mall, you know, I don't know, (laughs) just whatever it might be, although I might hit that, Um, you know, but it's a situation where you have to understand, you know, what you were just saying. You're not looking at doing that fried pickle business. You're looking at an operations business, a management business. You're not talking about the pickles. You can replace the pickles with any other business idea. The management and expansion and the systems in place of franchising is the business, not what the product or the service is
1: yeah not now I want to pickle thanks for that yeah, yeah um,
0: you're welcome <laughs>
1: yeah and, and the thing is the way you had phrased it was hey this is a great idea nobody's gonna buy into your great idea they want to know that it's proven that you've set out that you've done it that you've made money and good money doing this nobody wants to invest all this time and effort to make 15,000 in profit a year. people got bills to pay so they want to know hey where have you done this business before and um hasn't made any business. Now, the franchise disclosure doesn't have to show profits. Um, And this is generally speaking, I haven't dug into the rule recently, but you don't really have to show profits. In fact, you don't want to do it. You you just want to give the names of prior franchisees so that a prospective franchisee can talk to them. Because if you start saying, yeah, this business is going to make 80 grand a year, you you don't want to promise anything like that. You could wind up getting sued. Mm. But yeah, you just I got a great idea is different than, hey, I've been running this business for 10 years. I think I could scale it if I were to make it into a franchise system.
0: Hmm. Um, You know, when you watch shows um, like The Profit, for instance, is one of the shows with Marcus Lemonis, and I'm a big fan of his show, but when they they talk about franchises and things, it's amazing how many business owners, that's part of their dream, that's their lottery ticket, uh, but they haven't even they haven't duplicated the model of one location to a second or a third location. And, yeah. and I, I bring that up in a national context because I've had that same exact conversation with businesses right here in western North Carolina where they're like, oh, yeah, we're doing really great, and we've, we've shown that our model works. And I'm like, oh, how many locations do you have? Well, this one. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and fried pickles might be great in, you know, north and south Carolina because people were raised on grandma's fried pickles. But try to sell them in Albany or Minneapolis and it might not go over so well because people just don't recognize it for the delicacy that it is.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and so what do you say to businesses as uh, kind of pivoting a little bit as an alternative to franchising because i am not a franchisor or anything i'm a serial entrepreneur that happens to own a business radio station and the hundreds of conversations around business that i've been able to enjoy on a frontline basis for the last couple of years in the context of this station um, i've had exposure to a lot of different people's experiences and franchising is something that, like I said, it's kind of like the lottery ticket. It's like, oh, this is what I want to do. Um, but when I have conversations with them as a non franchisor or anything, just based on my personal experience and and knowing other people's stories, and I say, well, have you looked at other options? And for a lot of people, it's like, well, you know, that is the option. Let's give them some other options. What are some alternatives to building their empire, expanding their empire that does not involve a business plan that means they're going to franchise their business
1: so we're starting out with the premise that somebody who comes to me with a successful business with hopefully a history of profits and says i'd like to franchise this business um the first conversation i have is and and you know i've been doing this long enough i can kind of see what's what's good for franchising and what isn't um I, i'll explain to them what it costs to franchise so you're going to spend Twenty to thirty thousand dollars in legal fees putting together the franchise disclosure document. Probably that much or more putting together a um, a standards manual. So when you when you sell your to your franchisee, here's the standards the franchisee has to follow. You know what what color the paint on the wall is, how big the sign is, what the dimensions of the sign are, what temperature the product should be served at. That's all part of um, of the franchise system. And it, take, it costs a lot of money. It costs more than the legal fees to put that together, because mm-hmm. you've got accountants, architects, you might have a you know a chef or somebody in charge of creating the product. The question then becomes, well, geez, I just, um, an example I had back in Chicago was a client that, he, he had a store selling MMA, like the mixed martial mm-hmm. arts stuff, and he wanted to franchise it. And we had that conversation, like, you, what you really want to do is just open a second location. Um, great alternative. Uh, if people loved this first location and he was making money, which he was, just recreate that in your second location. So he was out in the western suburbs, go into the South suburbs and, and open the same store, use the you, know, you make it you know location number two for your business. Now if he didn't necessarily have the money or the time to manage two locations, he could bring in a business partner, bring in somebody, bring in a manager, Um, there's a lot of different ways to start opening locations Uh, there's um, and and one thing I always recommend is keep it close there's a really good restaurant here in town that has a few locations but for some reason they've got one up in Johnson City Mm. and I I talked to the owner I'm like how'd you guys wind up there and he's like well I don't know it just seemed like the next place to go and I didn't say it out loud but geez why didn't you open one in Waynesville you could open one in Weaver, you could have gone down to Hendo and opened one. So, you know, keep it close. Open a second location. You could bring on a partner or an investor. If you don't have the money to build out the second location, bring on somebody who's interested in, you know, being a partner for your restaurant or your clothing sales or what, whatever whatever your product is. Mm-hmm. Great, great way to expand your empire because then everybody, everybody wins.
0: Well, and, you know, Going back, to doing a call back to something you said earlier about, you know, that benefit of scale. You know, the what was the phrase that you used um, when we talked about the franchises when they buy multiple locations and they're able to take the benefits of that duplication in, in one central system? Right. You know, that, that's very real, you know. And so, like, from a, from a personal encounter that I had with business that I did some work with, uh, with their marketing and branding and kind of consulting with them and, and things like that is they were based out of Marion and they were thinking it was one of these things like they're thinking franchising and everything and they were doing great in Marion. I said, Well, you know, what are your target towns? You know, they were like, well we want to hit these smaller towns that, you know, are growing and they're not huge, but they don't have the kind of things we offer and it's a nice sweet spot for us. I said, Well where's your second location? And they said, Well that's why we want to franchise and I'm like, Well no, but people aren't buying a single location they're buying a, a model that showed that it works in your target metropolitan area, yeah. Yeah. you know, in multiple um, places. And so they went ahead and they opened up a second place um, here in Western North Carolina in another town that wasn't too far away. And, you know, and so, and then of course, COVID's hit and that's hurt right. everybody, <laughs> you know, because that's the other thing too is, you know, with the increased scale, you're also increasing your risk. And so you've got to have some mitigation there. But, um, you know, yeah. when, when we talk about alternatives and everything, too, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and we touched on this briefly with, with a previous episode talking about, um, you know, vendor and, and contractors and, you know, agreements and things like that. But what about licensing? If you develop something that's strong... Can you license out, like, a brand name or a system or something? Is Can you can you export for profit some aspects of your business? Is there is there a way to do something like that?
1: Licensing is a great way to do it, and that, that's next on my list um, of ways to expand your empire. Um, there, there's a business in town, and, and again, you know, let's keep it local. I, I won't say what they are because I think I could probably identify them by what I'm about to say, but they're selling sort of a local product, but they're having... Uh, businesses sort of across the southeast start selling that product so for example they might have someone in Hickory they might have someone down in Georgia selling the product they don't need a franchise the the second locations don't need to open up a dedicated location just to sell you know the three or four products that this company sells but what they do is they license them to sell the product Um, they license them to use the advertising the logo all that stuff they can put the logo up in the window and that's a great way to expand the empire uh, somebody's buying your product, but it's still sort of under the umbrella of your, your trademark, your marketing. Mm. That's, a, that's a great way to do it.
0: And there's, um, there's probably not much expense to that either. You're probably getting right into good margin the second you start figuring out what you can license, yes?
1: Well, who, whoever's selling the product, they're, they're making money because they have a ready market in all those other locations. And the other locations have ready buyers because it is a recognizable product. So, yeah. Start spinning the wheel as soon as they get that sign up.
0: Well, and all this brings us to um, a preview for the next episode. Unless there's anything you want to make sure we touch on before we kind of preview next, the next episode.
1: Uh, I do have like a 40-page outline on franchising <laughs> that we haven't really gotten into.
0: Yeah, and well, there's the reason for people to contact you directly, which they can they can find in the description. If they're listening on the podcast, just go ahead and look in the description. And if you're listening on the station stream, uh, just go ahead and click on the uh, on the sponsors tab, and you can find your way to we've we've linked through to um, Michael Palermo's business law firm right there for folks. Um, So a preview uh, for next week. We're gonna be we've talked about it in every single episode so far of this series, but the exit ramp.
1: Next week is the final episode in this series. So I like to tell people that I'm a business lawyer. What do you do? Well, I I work in the transitions of your business from startup to selling. So because we're on the last episode, we're going to talk about selling your business and succession planning. The odds of you leaving your business are 100%. (laughs) At At some point you won't own your business. What, what is that exit going to look like? Selling your business, having a plan so that you don't just leave chaos in the wake. And, um, you know i i'm in this to help people make money so let's let's try to monetize and profit from exiting your business too
0: Oh, very good. All right, Michael Palermo, Palermo Business Law Firm in Asheville and also sh- serving the Chicago area as well. And, yes, um, and appreciate, as always, your time and expertise. It's, uh, it's a lot of really great beneficial information for people, whether they're starting, ending, or if they need to go ahead and sit back and reassess where they're at. Um, I, I am the firm believer that right now is the best time, no matter where along the timeline it is. Right now is the best time to assess what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're going to end what you're doing. Uh, Great advice. You know, so uh, thank you. We look forward to the next episode. For everybody else, stick around. More conversations always coming up next, right here on Biz Radio Asheville. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other
1: engaging conversations, local events, and more.